Hello all and welcome back to another episode on my podcast Wellness with Sylvie. This episode we have a great friend of mine, a school counselor, private practice therapist, neurolinguistic program trainer, constellations facilitator and a genetic brain profiling consultant. Now if you want to know about all those things, kindly tune in to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Alexi, uh, and welcome to my podcast, Wellness with Sylvie. Uh, I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing this now for basically over half a year um, since COVID began. And, uh, you know, I'm on my second season and I've been talking about um, a lot to do with yoga and its relationship with wellness and meditation. And a couple of episodes ago, I actually had a really good friend of mine called Danny who um, weirdly enough is on the same meditation group that, that we're on. So there's a, lot of, um, there's a lot of people that we know in common. Um, so, you know, I was so excited to have you on my podcast because, um, you know, you were my counselor for, for uh, the better part of last year when I was going through a couple of hard um, moments, I would say. And, you know, you sort of helped me through that. And I thought, I have a wellness podcast now. And who better to have than you who helped me through a very tough um, period. So with that, I just want to say thank you very much for, for gracing us with your presence. Um, yeah, so maybe you can just start. Welcome. You can just start maybe by telling us a bit about yourself, who you are, um, what is it that you do, and what's your take on the wellness industry, in the wellness industry? Thank you, Sylvie. It's so nice to be on your podcast. I'm so excited for you. And Thank you. Uh, yeah, let me introduce myself. My, my name is Alex. I'm a third generation born East African of Greek descent. So wow. I grew up in Nairobi uh, and I'm a school counselor now for 12 years. Uh, I've been in private practice for eight years and I combine counseling, coaching and alternative methods such as conscious breath work and family constellations to mm-hmm. su- support people going through or processing grief, life transitions, and trauma. Okay. So, you know, I, I'm very curious. Maybe you can just sort of elaborate on what um, family constellations are. I think that's a pretty okay. new concept for a lot of people who would be listening to this podcast. Yes. I mean, uh, also known as systemic work, family mm-hmm. constellations is really rooted in family therapy and um the founder, uh, Bert Hellinger, he just passed away uh, recently. Uh, he, he, was, he started out as a minister and through uh, working with tribes, uh, he found out these or- orders of love, you know, mm-hmm. that we are all governed by. Mm-hmm. And he came up with something called family constellations. It's basically mm-hmm. a group process mm-hmm. where you have one person who comes with an issue or a dilemma. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the group supports them by what looks like role play, but actually uh, is more than that. It's more about tapping into the energy and looking right. at the hidden dynamics of the issue. Okay. Well, that's really, that's really interesting. Um, so I, I, I know that I found out about that um, when we were sort of, when I was sort of seeing you more, more um, regularly last year. And mm-hmm. uh, it's not something I did try, but mm-hmm. it is something that I would like to explore, you know, once 
maybe hopefully in the future COVID comes to an end. Um, Welcome. Yeah. Yes. So thank you for sharing that. Um, so, you know, when did you, like, when did you become a counselor and what motivated you to do this? Um, honestly, I wanted nothing to do with human beings. I was all set <laughs> out to become a vet. Uh, yeah. What let me down, I think, was my mathematics. And uh, as much as I lived out of our vet clinic, I, it mm-hmm. wasn't in the cards for me. I, my second biggest interest was the human brain. Mm-hmm. So as much as I didn't like humans very much, uh, I had a, a big need to understand them. Yeah. And I became a, a counselor because while at a wedding in Addis, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to go for an interview at a school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one thing led to another. And within weeks, I was back there starting my career. Um, after, after, of course, studying psychology here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, my motivation for counseling was that, you know, there was this need to give compassion to others, maybe because I felt I, I grew up without it or yeah. came into my life later on. Uh, and this was really thanks to my two incredible aunts who I learned really early how important it was to have a compassionate person in your life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how I benefited from having both of them in my life as yeah. a young child. Yeah, so, I mean... You know, it's 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 a bit ironical that at some you know there was the initial part where you wanted nothing to do with humans, and yeah. it's like a complete revolution, right? You you then now wanted everything to do with yeah, exactly. humans, and complete turnaround. Um, very true. I mean, when we decide on things out of pain, out of fear, mm-hmm. it's just an aversion uh, yeah. process. So really, coming back to why I, I was avoiding them in the first place and healing my own stuff, I think well, yeah, yeah, that, that really helped. Okay, so I guess this is a perfect segue to be, you know, to ask like, how has being a counselor helped you in your own personal relationships? And mm. you know, do you, do you sort of find yourself counseling or therapizing those around you, like you know, your spouse or your children or um, your mom, whoever you know, whoever is sort of is in a right. close proximity with you? Yeah, I mean, I've I've benefited uh, greatly in my relationships being a counselor. I tend to express mm-hmm. my emotions very quickly. And mm-hmm. counseling taught me how to really listen and give space to other others. Uh, mm-hmm. But to be fair, though, my very close friends and family have been subject to being guinea pigs <laughs> for every new method that I learned. And I eventually did stop that. And uh, yeah. especially when my private practice grew and I had mm-hmm. plenty of clients willing to try new things. Yeah. Uh, it, but it did give my friends and family a break. Uh, I try not to wear both caps with my family, mm-hmm. uh, with my friends. It it helps a lot with my kids, I must say. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do just try to be mom or, you know, partner or daughter. But it's hard, especially yeah. when they're going through difficult times. I do prefer, yeah. you know, a bit of my background. But I also refer. I'm very good at referring them to colleagues, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm sure that wasn't like a, a very easy decision to make because obviously um, when you become a parent, um, it's, it's the common approach that, that you will know best, right, for your, for your child or um, based on the fact that mm-hmm. you are the one who has been raising them and you know what their triggers are and what makes them happy. Sure. You would sort of be like, I know how to deal with my child or I know how to parent my child and I wouldn't want anyone else sort of helping me out with that. Like what? What struggles have you had having to sort of make the 
you know, the, the separation? Um, uh, to be honest, as soon as I realized, um, just like me and many others, our triggers mm -hmm. are usually our parents. Um, you just need to separate that and decide what's best for my child, not what I think is best. Of course, yeah. as a parent, I have my views, but really, what does the child need? Yeah, uh, that may not include me. In fact, in fact, may may need me to keep a bit of distance. A bit of a distance. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's that's really interesting to to hear because I remember when I was um, back in in primary school, my mom used to teach me. She was actually the teacher where I went to school. And even for parts of high school and, you know, we would be at school and say, I didn't have room to be a child, to be naughty, because my mom was always there mm -hmm. having a watchful eye on me. And it became the case where what happened in school would then be, come home, you know, and it, it, it did sort of put a strain on our relationship at that time. I mean, we're super close now, but... Um, I mean, I think I see the value and why you would want to have like a separation between, um, you know, why it would be important to have somebody else um, help mm. you with certain situations. And, yeah. and of course, there are times where I see my methods are so brilliant uh, for my yeah. daughter or it yeah. works well, but sometimes I just have to step back. And I'm sure there was no yeah. one better to teach you certain things than your mom, but in yeah. areas where... You, she couldn't be both, you know, yeah. and you look yeah. for somewhere else. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I, I mean, I, I'm really big. I've really gotten into sort of, you know, so meditation and uh, breath work. And a lot of the reasons for that was because of some of the breath work we did in our sessions. Mm -hmm. um, so how, how did you initially sort of tie that, you know, that the, the emphasis on meditation and breath work into sessions with your clients? Well, I find conscious breathing to be very meditative in some ways. Of yeah. course, it's a much more active experience compared to pure meditation. But especially towards the end of a session, during the relaxation phase, you might remember. Yeah, uh, yeah. Many clients have told me how they felt so much in a meditative, receptive state. Yeah. Uh, I also use guided meditation, which, is, which I find very supportive and complementary in my sessions. Yeah. especially with the youth, actually. Yeah. Very receptive. Um, so I've tied meditation into that, into my sessions, into breath work, mm -hmm. almost organically. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, I remember when it was, I don't know if it was the first or second session, but I remember there was a great deal of breath work we were doing and was sort of like for a, a big chunk of the actual session, maybe half an hour, 20 minutes, and... I remember it got to the point where, you know, you said that you're going to sort of uh, touch me in various places on my on my stomach and on my shoulders and the places where we carry um, tension. And I remember sort of just breaking down at that point. And, right. you know, afterwards, I do remember feeling like I was I was ready to just start to feel better about myself and the situation that I was in. So, I mean, maybe you can just explain what, what the reason is for that. Yeah. So with quantum breath, breath work, um, mm -hmm. which is mainly what I use, um, when we press certain points, mer meridian mm -hmm. points, uh, yeah. where we are taught that perhaps this is where you store anger or uh, guilt or fear, mm -hmm. you, mm -hmm. are, uh, you are supporting the breath, which is already you know, working on releasing those emotions. Yeah. Pressing those points, you can, you can help the release even further. And actually, mm -hmm. you find, like, like in your experience, people actually connect to the emotion yeah. and express it and in many ways release it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so do you find that there's a lot of people who try and resist sort of letting go and just experiencing that emotion at that time, especially for people who are sort of very um, scared to, to be vulnerable? Um, what has been your pr- approach with people who are quite, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say tough to crack, but you mm. know what I mean. Yeah. yeah true. I mean, it's, it's just human nature. We don't like to let go and we, we, and we become our emotions. We believe that if I'm sad, that's who I am. Mm-hmm. let go of an identity mm-hmm. that is, is, is very hard so uh, that's why the breath work is so powerful you don't have mm-hmm. to talk about it you just have to yeah. breathe through it and if I see through the breath analysis you know that someone is just not letting go holding on yeah. perhaps you know it's not just the right time it's it's layers that need to be received mm-hmm. first I mm-hmm. honestly just hold space and I give them time and I do some pressing of the points and yeah. toning and whatever is needed. But it really is a natural process and it's not something yeah. um, I can rush or force, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I know that you have predominantly worked with children, right? Um, and, you know, I remember when I was referred to you, I was told that you predominantly work with children and maybe people who are, you know, maybe in their teenagehood. So what, what made you start wanting to cancel you know our mil- the millennials mm. or people who are maybe in their 20s and up well that's a great question Sylvie because I have been in the field for over 12 years and what I found is naturally if I'm your counselor in primary school I'm your counselor mm-hmm. in secondary school mm-hmm. if I move to another school I'm still your counselor and mm-hmm. I found that kids would just come back to me and yeah. so, so whether I was working with them in primary school or secondary school I'm now working with them in their 20s, and I find that mm. so beautiful uh, yeah. because it's a different phase of life. And so yeah. working through uh, the next phase of life with them uh, attracted more uh, clients and uh, young people in their 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that was a beautiful um, way it happened. So in, in, that, you know, in that case, are you able to sort of mitigate a lot of the problems that might then show up um, with, with people children or people who hadn't been counseled their whole lives, sort of like if we're thinking about, um, you know, family trauma or, or some sort of resentment towards a parent or a guardian, um, do you kind of see that your work from an early age to them progressing into a different stage in life, do you see as though you sort of helped to mitigate a lot of the trauma that would have otherwise manifested? Um, I would like to say yes, but I really can't take too much credit you know um yeah. everyone deals with their problems in in, in very various ways uh, and mm-hmm. they come when they need to come or they meet a, a certain therapist or counselor at that point in their life that is exactly what they need or mm-hmm. not and then they work through it a bit later with the right yeah. person or, or with me or with a different uh, approach so mm-hmm. i would like to see it as a very uh, just the way it needs to be as much as that sounds a bit harsh you know we don't have yeah. to go through some of the problems we do yeah but at the same time only when we go through those problems um can we reach an area of okay let's work on this or yeah you know, i want to change in my life that really is a build-up of motivation mm-hmm. and and you know sort of just picking up from that do you you know do you think your, your approach to your sessions um has it has it been successful? Like, do you, do you apply the same techniques with all your clients or do you sort of vary it based on the needs that you see? Mm. 
Um, if I may just elaborate a little bit on my approach, maybe yeah. I missed out on a few things. As much as my approach uh, is counseling, um, mm-hmm. very early on, I did something called neuro-linguistic programming, which mm-hmm. is a yep. coaching course. It's a communication course. And I went all the way to becoming a trainer. So for mm-hmm. me, that was the practical psychology. That was not just right. talking about your problems, but actually t- doing something about it, taking Mm-hmm. taking action um mm-hmm. so as much as i use the counseling the nlp techniques the breath work and the family constellations i find that it is a successful approach it's a combination of body mind emotions and soul mm-hmm. because most of us we're working on a very mental emotional level we yeah. leave yeah. out the body we leave out uh, the soul and so we don't feel like we're ever fully over our problems because of that. Mm-hmm. So I found this combination of techniques to be the mm-hmm. most effective. And of course, I'm not going to say I have a 100% success rate. I will find people who need to go for hypnotherapy or they need to go for a different approach, uh, EMDR, uh, yoga, mm-hmm. whatever it is, because yeah. um, they just need something else. Yeah. Or, yeah. There some at some point in their life that is still working through uh, the baggage. Yeah. So um, I don't apply the same techniques to all my clients. I apply what's needed. I really look at, uh, at uh, what what does this client need and how are they responding to my method? What's working? What's not working? And then I really tailor I tailor it to each individual. Okay. All right. I mean, and so what are some of the biggest challenges you then see with a lot of your your clients or other people who fit into the current generation, the millennials, um, when it comes to our mental health? So um, something that I've been talking about a lot is uh, isolation. Now, for mm-hmm. me, this is one of the biggest problems in the current generation. And not just mm-hmm. now with COVID times, but overall, this generation does not have perhaps the strong relationships, friendships, mentors, Mm -hmm. I don't know, teachers, these relationships are not as strong. And I am generalizing, uh, not the case for everyone, but I find that uh, there's a lot of isolation and there's a lot of questioning. Who do I talk to? Who's going to understand Mm me? Uh, How am I going to get what I need from people who are not in my same wavelength or... Yeah, And so I find this is a big, big challenge. And of course, you know, breaking through that, which which some manage to do, of course, it's not something that everyone is stuck in. But I hear that a lot. I hear this need to be understood, need to be accepted for exactly Mm -hmm. the way you are. And and who is going to give you that? Who is going to really come, come down to that level and understand you know, with every generation, the brains are changing. The brain design is yeah. different. So, yeah. I mean, as much as I've worked with kids and teenagers and now the, the young adults for over mm-hmm. 12 years, um, I, I, I have a completely different brain design than yeah. the kids, you know, the kids that, that are coming out today becoming young adults. So, of course, does that mean I can't help them? No, it just means that we feel yeah. very much alone in, their, in yeah. their progress. Yeah. I mean, from, from you know, my reading and from what I understand, um, a lot of the issues that our generation face is 
it has very little to do with material wealth because we live in a time where you can pretty much have everything you've ever wanted, right? You can have a phone, you can have a laptop, and a lot of people, a big chunk of the population to do, right? So it's not about providing material wealth, but we are lacking existential. We all, we all sort of go through this existential um, crisis where we're like, I don't know what my value is on this planet. I don't know who I can talk to about the fact that I feel as though that there's a hole in, my, in the way I feel or, you know, and, and, you know, I think a lot, a lot, and I don't want to shift blame, but I think a lot of the, the things that have happened in our generation is as a result of the fact that our parents were the, were the people who were working to build us right. so that they could give us these nice things and, you know, save up enough money to take us to the expensive universities or, or whatever, to even mm -hmm. just take you to school. Um, so how, what is the, like, what do you see as the link between um, the, let's say, the flaws of our parents' generation to now what is seeming to be the, the, the pitfalls or the downfalls of our generation? Um, so if I understand you correctly, what, what is it that, that makes it so difficult to begin with? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, you guys are product of, and and I'm and again, it's a general term, but it's a, a absent yeah. parenting. You know, where your parents are there, yeah. but they're so busy providing for you, providing the best, yeah. Yeah. that you don't have a present pre uh, caregiver as such, or maybe mm -hmm. you have one, yeah. or maybe you have a grandparent, or you know, it, so so that feeling of connection, that feeling of uh, where where can I find people like me? Where where do I go if I have a problem at home? You know, finding communities outside of our family uh, pieces, yeah. where we can feel connected, feel supported, reaching out. Mm -hmm. You know, so the people's I yeah. would say is not speaking up, not sharing your problems uh, in a way that will support you, right? And so I'm not saying that your yeah. friends can't support you. Your friends can. I mean, these are brilliant minds we're talking about, intelligent, mm -hmm. um, high-achieving individuals. Mm -hmm. Now to reach out and be vulnerable and say, I'm struggling with this, or as much mm -hmm. as it doesn't look cool, uh, you know, I feel depressed and I don't know where to go. Yeah. That is really uh, what I'm seeing. And again, that, yeah. sorry, and that I naturally, you'll find, you know, young people congregating uh, in certain areas just, just for that mm -hmm. connection, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it is it is sad to see how, how you know, the, the sort of issues that we struggle with. And, you know, this is why a big part of me started this podcast. And I feel like I've always been super passionate about, you know, telling people that it's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to, to feel as though nothing in, in life is working out for you. Um, and, you know, I, I remember when I when I finally had the courage to tell people like I've I've been going through this counseling and to be honest, it was the best decision I feel like I've made, right? It was a turning point for me. And if if I feel like if I hadn't gone through, you know, the sessions that we went through, I would still be in quite a dark hole. And that's not to say like I'm cured or like I feel like oh rainbows and butterflies, but it's this ebb and flow of you know, you're, you're happy one day, the next day you're a bit sad or the next day you're a bit anxious. And I'm, I'm always trying to tell people there is no shame in being who you are or being able to. In fact, it takes courage to be able to articulate your vulnerabilities, you, you know. Um, and I am really a proponent for getting people to just step out of their heads and, and start to think about, 
you know, if, if, I can, if I can have these things in life, like my phone and everything, why can't you then also give yourself um, a chance to take care of your brain yeah. and your mental health, I guess, right? yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and that's you. Yeah. So well, Sylvie. I mean, it's just about the coping skills. What do I need to cope in today's world? Uh, okay, I don't have yeah. them. Where do I get them? Who do I talk to? Mm-hmm. Reaching out mm-hmm. because I, I can't do this alone. And maybe my mom or dad doesn't know uh, what I need or how. Yeah. But, but there is help out there, you know, and it's about reaching out. Yeah. Um. So, you know, and sometimes when I'm doing my research, I come across these crazy statistics. Um, for example, you know, in regards to the role meditation plays in general well-being. So, for example, there's this one that says mindfulness meditation can reduce symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder um, 73% of the time. Or something else like meditation improves anxiety levels 60% of the time. Or after meditating for six to nine months, almost two-thirds of the people who are prone to um, anxiety manage to, um, they manage to reduce their anxiety levels. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on these statistics? Do you really see the power in meditation alone? Or are there other proponents that, are, you know, that aren't solely going to work? You, you know what I mean? Yeah, I completely believe in the power of medita- meditation. I see the power of combining breath work and meditation, mm-hmm. as well as other tools and techniques. Uh, I'm 100% behind this, and I have had first-hand experience for myself and for my clients, uh, based on what you're yeah. saying, the statistics. Uh, visualization work, repetitive guided meditations, body work that allows meditation to heal the stuck emotions, beliefs mm-hmm. yeah, that are perhaps manifesting yeah. physically, these are all very powerful, yeah. very useful. I mean, if meditation is taming the mind, mm-hmm. once you've done that, everything else is possible. It's the mind yeah. that is constantly yeah. interfering and telling you you're not good enough, you can't do it. So if we play that game and we get stuck in that game, yeah, there's nowhere we're going. But mm-hmm. if we say, no, that you're, you're, you're full of crap, I mean, I, I'm much more than just my mind. Um, then you have you have of the coping coping strategies and yeah strategies not just coping but how do you thrive so i i completely support yeah. that okay no i mean like we're i think you we are totally on the same wavelength i you know everyone thinks i'm a bit of this hippie um you know mm-hmm. and because i i practice yoga and i'm into meditation and you know, I do teach classes and everything, and I do sometimes have to explain to people like, okay, so what I'm going to explain to you now is going to sound a bit maybe abstract to you, but mm-hmm. once we sort of get into this a bit more and once you start to just let go and allow yourself to, to, to be present in the moment, whether it's doing yoga, whether we're doing yoga and meditation, um, you'll always see a bit of people who are, you know, they're kind of skeptical, and I've never quite been able to figure out why, because on the one hand, sometimes I'm thinking, could it be because they sort of see meditation as separate to their spirituality, mm-hmm. like to, to being a Christian or to being a Muslim or whatever? Or is it that they just think generally this is just it's just strange for me to to sit down quietly on my own and breathe? You know, what, what do you what are some of your ideas on this? Uh, I, I think religion plays a big role, especially in Kenya. Uh, anything that might be might might seem a little bit anti-religious or 
uh, competing with religion, uh, anything that mm -hmm. is too airy fairy, you know, uh, is, is very mm -hmm. sus sus is, is almost yeah. I mean, people are suspicious of, but I really think yeah. it's all about desensitization, uh, uh, psychosocial uh, education, really giving the awareness mm -hmm. of what is the mind, right? What is what is uh, mm -hmm. what is the subconscious mind? How how does mindfulness play a role? What is it? What is meditation? Okay. And yeah. it's the same. I mean, you remember how yoga was such a foreign concept 20 years ago. Concept, now yeah. it's, a, it's a household name. It's something anyone yeah. and everyone can do. I think uh, that's what needs to happen with meditation. You know, that it's really a practice. It's, a, it's taking the mind. Mm -hmm. It's uh, mm -hmm. getting out of the mind, you know, slowing down thoughts yeah. so that you can actually yeah. be present and connect with yourself. I think that's still... There's a lot of work that we need to do there. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And as you've sort of just touched on the next question that I was going to bring up, you know, the fact that, you know, when yoga first came here, everyone was like, oh, is, you know, is that, does that infringe on my religion? Is this right. sort of practices of Hindu or Buddhism? But it just seems like now with this wellness epoch and so many people are getting very curious about what's, what's all this wellness about, you know? Um, from people who are starting to to take body wellness really seriously, like going to the gym right. or taking up these crazy fitness classes or yoga. And now people wanting to sort of see mm -hmm. the more spiritual or mental side behind it in terms of understanding your brain or um, how you feel generally. So, mm -hmm. you know, quite a few people reach out to me asking mm -hmm. about some of the platforms that are available available locally. And I may I have a bit of knowledge, but I feel as though there are people who are quite well to this information yourself being included so maybe you can share a few places or a few platforms where they can look out for content or even workshops um yeah any thoughts yeah sure i mean with, with, with the current situation there's been a lot of places closing down reopening so i would firstly suggest looking at some of the facebook groups for the more current information uh, one of those mm -hmm. is, is something I started last year, a Transformation House Kenya. Yeah. You'll find a lot of practitioners hosting their events there. Uh, another one that's pretty new, okay. pretty recent, and very good is uh, Conscious Kenya. Uh, they're doing amazing uh, events, mm -hmm. uh, and, they, and, and they're doing all kinds of things. I think they have a website. Yeah. Another Facebook group is um, Coaching and Healing Kenya. Uh, you'll find, again, lots of events, lots of uh, online mm -hmm. events and uh, practitioners sharing their information. Um, there is oh, a yes, studio I that has opened in Loresho. It's called Kanga Studio. Have you heard of it? So the lady there, Emma, she is turning yeah. it into, uh, let me say, the new transformation house center. because You'll find a lot of mm -hmm. practitioners going mm -hmm. there to, to do events, sound healing, meditation. I'm doing some events there, constellation workshops. Um, so that is one place mm -hmm. to look into, and they do have a, fa a Facebook uh, presence. Yeah. Uh, that's just off the top of my head, Sylvie. I'm sure mm -hmm. there are more. There's something called uh, Bhakti okay. Marga, uh, and they do Om Chanting. Yeah. And they've actually produced uh, Om Chanting online uh, now. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, they're definitely uh, a group I to check out. I also just, um, I'm now going uh, to be teaching Kenya. for yeah. this other platform. It's called Mental360. Um, yes. So I actually have my first, um, a, my yes, first session fantastic. is this Saturday and it's going to be a weekly thing, right? So um, for, for all the other listeners as well, um, these will be free streamed online classes for you to just take advantage of. And I mean, what's better than a freebie, right? I just, I'm like people, yeah, sometimes I'm like, there's so many different free <laughs> platforms that you can access, especially now that things are being done virtually, right? So, um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, you, you, earlier when we were speaking, you also mentioned something new that you've been working on, which sounds very interesting. And I'm, I'm dying to hear more. And I'm sure my listeners will be like, oh, what's this about? And I'm going to get a lot of messages like, oh, what's, what's all this? So maybe you can just yeah. tell us um, something about this. Well, thank you, Sylvie. I, I'm, I've, mm -hmm. I've, I've studied something called genetic brain profiling. Yeah. And it's basically fingerprint analysis for personality. So I have a fingerprint scanner and I take your fingerprints. Mm -hmm. And within 15 minutes, I, uh, 20 minutes, I have a report, a mm -hmm. six-page report generated from uh, India. And this report gives you information on your hemispheric lobe strengths, yeah. your uh, multi, multi scores, personality. It, it's really amazing. There's nothing like it, first of all, because it's so uh, specific. It's so detailed. Um, a lot of these personality tests that you can do online, uh, you, first of all, you can cheat. Yeah. Secondly, yeah, yeah. vague. <laughs> understanding of your personality uh, where this one the, the fingerprint analysis gives you uh, details that you yeah. cannot th there's no yeah. cheating of fingerprints it's your dna i mean there's nobody yeah, in the world that has the same fingerprints as you uh, and the reason i find this so fantastic is because uh, i'm using it with students who are yeah. choosing their subjects in, in high school uh, going into university and choosing right. their their degree options uh, I'm also using it in career advice Yeah. in terms of what would suit you, in terms of what, what are your strengths, what are you good at naturally, what is your potential. Uh, another area that we use it is in relationships, so compatibility. You know, when you're in a new relationship and yeah. you really want to give it a chance, yeah. you, you need to know how compatible are you based on your genetic brain profile. And this is uh, something that's very popular in India and still mm -hmm, mm -hmm. very new to the rest of the world. Um, and the third mm -hmm. area is uh, job recruitment. You know, so matching uh, companies with the right people and the, and uh, and getting the, the 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 people to actually go for the right careers based on their personality, based on all these factors. So that's why I'm really excited yeah. about it. It's a very co cognitive mm -hmm. approach to what I'm used to. But I mean, that is also important. Very I see true. that we need to balance. So, um, I, I also, I was saying, I do believe in cog this cognitive approach. Um, you know, you have to sort of balance things out. And I think, you know, if, if you're able to, people are always wanting to see if something can be justifiable, right? So, Absolutely. Um, so if you have, if you're able to say, well, you know, we're going to, we're going to use this new um, and interesting algorithm to basically match you with, 
the, the key things in life that people are interested in, like your, the decisions you make before you go to university, the, per, the person you decide to be a partner with, um, um, you know, and many other things. I think it's, it's important that we do see that um, sort of, you know, that balance, as you said. Um, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's like, for me, it's like having a roadmap uh, yeah. to yourself, to another person, to your child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nobody gets a manual, right? So yeah. when you actually can have a roadmap to how to bring up your child, how to nurture them to their best abilities, mm -hmm. to nurture their strengths, mm -hmm. to meet the right person and mm -hmm. see how compatible you are. This is just mm -hmm. common sense. Yeah. And now that we have the tool, I mean, why not? Yeah. I mean, yes. But do you, do you find that there'll be a lot of skepticism about this and, you know, basically how people are now becoming very scared about what you're doing with their with their data or their information. Um, and this sort of feels like a level up from there because now it's your DNA, right? It's your, it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's all based on science. And I think once that is explained, mm -hmm. uh, especially what we do with the fingerprints, mm -hmm. um, as soon as I've taken your prints and I yeah. receive the report, I delete them in front of you okay. so that you have the assurity Yes, they have been used for um, um, coming up with a report and yeah. there's nothing else we're doing with them. It's I have them, I delete them and, and they're gone, you know. Mm -hmm. But yes, there, there's definitely skepticism with anything new. Yeah. Um, but I really believe in explaining, understanding uh, the science behind it mm -hmm. uh, and really the benefits. What? Why should anyone do a genetic brain profile? Yeah. How does it benefit them? Yeah. You know? No, I, com I completely, I get what you mean. And that's something maybe I should also start thinking about doing, um, you know. Yeah, it might be something that I do explore because I, I would hate to be a proponent for something without actually having I've experienced it myself, right? Um, sure, sure. Yeah. And, uh, you're most welcome. I have my scanner now. I'm based okay. in uh, Brookside, as you know. Uh, yeah. I'll be um, available for, for scans um, from next week, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Amazing. Right. Well, Alexi, I cannot thank you enough for joining me on the, my podcast. Um, I feel like this has been such a fruitful session. I've learned so much about the things that you're working on and even some of the platforms that people can get access to in terms of, um, you know, understanding their, their wellness. So just getting into the space generally. So uh, on behalf of all my listeners, I just want to thank you very much um, for joining us and giving us your time. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed being on the well, show and keep up the amazing work that you're doing. Thank <laughs> you. I'll do my best. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. bye.